I've seen and heard far too many people saying that the Sacramento Kings have little to no chance in a playoff series against the Golden State Warriors. Well, based off of what we've seen tonight, even in a loss, I would say the Sacramento Kings have more than their fair shot at beating the Warriors in a best-of-seven series. And I'll explain why right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long and soon to be all postseason long for the first time in this podcast history. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer at ABC10. And I'm telling you, Kings fans, despite the Kings losing 119-97, to there is really no reason reason to be bothered by tonight's loss if you're a Sacramento Kings fan. It's what we expected. The Kings came into tonight's game resting De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, and Kevin Herter. That was a decision that Mike Brown made after shoot-around this morning. He told us that before the game started. Erring on the side of caution, shutting his guys down, trying to rest them as much as possible, and keep them as healthy as possible going into uh, the first playoff series in this team's recent history. So, uh, I, it, it doesn't surprise me, especially considering coming into tonight the expectation was that the Memphis Grizzlies were going to solidify the second seed with a win over the extremely resting uh, Milwaukee Bucks which of course they did so there really wasn't much for the Sacramento Kings to play for you I suppose could argue that if the Kings had beaten the Golden State Warriors tonight maybe it helps their chances of not facing the Warriors in the opening round although we'll talk about a potential scenario where the Warriors might actually be up at five and the Clippers might move down to six for the Kings to face in the opening round we'll get to that later on in the podcast but this is what we expected as soon as you three see top three guys arguably your top three players not playing in tonight's game plus Malik Monk was out uh, as well with the injury that he's been dealing with it was expected the Sacramento Kings were going to lose this game against a Golden State Warriors team that still has plenty to play for and put out their full starting lineup and their their full unit. So 119-97, to the final score really doesn't matter to me. And if you're looking for takeaways from this game, there's not a lot of positivity, of course, and there's really not a lot of negativity either. I thought it was really encouraging that the second unit tonight, which is really for the most part the third unit of the Sacramento Kings, they battled back from big leads two separate times in this game. They were down by 17 points early in the second quarter, battled back to get that to within one, and then they went down 20 points midway, early midway through the third quarter, got that down to single digits again towards the end of the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, the, the Kings kind of stopped playing defense. Everybody kind of stopped trying a little bit. Uh, the Warriors created their separation, and they win by a comfortable margin. I also thought the Kings did a pretty decent job holding the Warriors to a non-explosive offensive performance. Now, the Warriors score 119 points tonight, which is only one less than the, the average of 120 points per game that the Sacramento Kings give up in this building. So it's not a tremendous defensive performance by any means. A lot of those points were scored in garbage time. And I'm not giving you moral victories, I'm just giving you facts. I'm giving you reality. There, were, there was questions whether or not the Warriors were going to breach 110 in this game. Well, over the final five or so minutes, uh, the Warriors kind of ran away and started putting up points in a hurry that inflated this score. But that final score does not tell the story of defensively what I thought the Sacramento Kings 
Kings were able to do tonight. Now, I also thought the Warriors were playing really sloppy, maybe a little uh, lack of focus at times, disjointed at times, and I'll get into that uh, in a, a little bit. I mean, there's a number of things that you can point to as to why the Sacramento Kings lost this game in addition to the obvious of their three best players or arguably their three best players, certainly their top two players who facilitate the majority of their offense being out tonight. The Kings offensively struggled. They scored only 97 points. I think it's the third or fourth time this season that they've scored less than 100 points. Well, the Kings took 20 more field goals than the Golden State Warriors in this game and still lost by over 20 points. Like, that's pretty rare to see. It's because the Kings made three less field goals than the Golden State Warriors despite taking 20 more. If the if De'Aaron and Sabonis and, and Kevin are playing and the Kings are taking 20 more field goals than the Golden State Warriors, I'm really liking their chances of winning that game. So you can point to the offense not being there as to why the Sacramento Kings lost tonight. And again, it makes sense for the offense to be struggling when you're missing your two top scorers and your two top offensive facilitators for the remainder uh, of the team. Now, there are some things to be unhappy with. Not to be necessarily bothered by, but certainly things watching this game to be unhappy with. For example, like the Kings free throw shooting tonight. They shot 10 of 18 from the free throw line. Like, that's not good enough. If the Golden State Warriors are going to send you to the line, if you play the Warriors in a, in a playoff series, if they send you to the line, you have to hit your free throws and convert on those free points. That's been sometimes a, a, a major struggle for the Kings this season. Other games, the Kings won't miss from the free throw line, so they got to find some consistency there, especially when the pressure is on the line uh, during a, a, a playoff series. Also, the Sacramento Kings scored 17 points off the Warrior turnovers, which isn't terrible, except for the fact that the Kings gave up or uh, turned the Warriors over, or the Warriors turned the ball over 24 times. This is a Warriors team that usually does a really good job taking care of the basketball. This is a Warriors team that is not typically going to make a lot of mistakes like this, especially in the playoffs. You have to be exploiting that more than you did. 17 points off of turnovers is fine. But when the Warriors are turning the ball over 24 times, you need to take better advantage of that. Mike Brown, after the game, talked about he felt like his Kings team didn't do a great job getting out in transition in tonight's game. That's really where the Kings can kill the Warriors or kill any opponent. If the Kings are getting defensive stops by turning a team over, they need to get out in transition. They need to score off those turnovers to help their offense create the separation that it needs to ultimately consistently win basketball games. The Kings did not do that tonight. I think it's fair to be critical of both Davion Mitchell and Keegan Murray from the sense that these are two guys that got big minutes and an important spot tonight with, with Fox, Sabonis, and Herter all out. You needed your scoring to come from somewhere, and I wanted that scoring to come from Keegan Murray. I wanted that scoring to come from Harrison Barnes. I wanted that scoring to come from Davion Mitchell, three guys that we know are going to have predominant roles and significant roles in the playoffs regardless. Keegan Murray only had nine points tonight. He went four of 13 from the field. Not the end of the world, not that big of a deal, nothing worth overreacting to, but here was an opportunity for someone to step up offensively for the Kings. Keegan should be one of those guys, and he didn't do it tonight offensively. However, I thought Keegan actually had a really solid game defensively. I thought he had some really good defensive moments. He blocked a dunk here. I think it was Moses Moody who went up for a dunk uh, and was blocked at the rim. Keegan Murray drew a charge on Draymond Green for his fifth foul on the other end of the floor. I thought he did pretty good with his weak side defensive rotations at times tonight, which is good. Now, I asked Mike Brown after the game, I was like, at this point in Keegan's career, is that worth celebrating or is that expected? And he said, no, that's expected. Like, that's what Keegan has to do. Even though he's a rookie, we have a lot, we're asking a lot of him. We have high expectations for him. If he doesn't do those things, he's going to come out of the game and sit next to Mike Brown. So I'm not going to make an overly big deal about it. I'm just going to point out that he did it. 
And that's positive because if he's doing stuff like that in the playoffs against the Warriors or whatever team, that means he's staying in the game. And if he's staying in the game, especially if he's playing with Fox and Sabonis and Herter and, and the normal King starters, he's a threat at all times and he opens up the offense and opens up spacing uh, for the rest of the team with just how dynamic and, and lethal of a three-point shooter that he is. So some positives there. And then Davion Mitchell. Davion's been playing well offensively as of late. He's been shooting the ball really well. Tonight, that kind of fell off a little bit. Had an opportunity as the starting point guard tonight. Just five points, two of 13 shooting from the field. So if we're being nitpicky about individual performances, I wanted more offensively out of those two guys. I didn't get it. Again, it's not the end of the world. But here's the thing. The Golden State Warriors are absolutely beatable, especially in this building. Tonight was their 10th road win of the season. In this building... On the road, despite the amount of Warriors fans that were here, and we'll talk about the Warriors fans uh, or opposing fans being in this building in a little bit, the Warriors are absolutely beatable on the road. At home, maybe a completely different story. That team just plays ridiculously well in the Chase Center in their own building. That might be uh, this. This might that might be separate from anything that I'm about to say about the Warriors on the road. But I was not impressed by the Golden State Warriors tonight. I wasn't, and I don't think that's looking through this game for through purple lenses. And I don't think that's a knee-jerk reaction to make myself feel better after the Kings lost to the Warriors and, and, and lost the regular season series 1-3 to three to the Warriors. Like, that might be something that we read as a stat coming into a Kings-Warriors series if it happens. That might be something that Warriors fans kind of loiter over Sacramento Kings fans' heads. That's fine. From what the Kings have seen this season against the Golden State Warriors, they are absolutely beatable. Remember, the Kings had a very good chance of beating the Warriors in Golden State earlier this season when Kevin Herter was fouled literally twice by uh, um, by Clay Thompson on a three-point shot at the end of the game. The refs didn't call anything. The two-minute report the very next day confirmed that, yeah, Keegan was fouled, or rather, uh, Kevin was fouled. Who knows if the Kings would have won that game or not. Kevin would have had to hit all three free throws of the line. Regardless, the Kings were in that game. When they were at full strength, they beat the Warriors in this building tonight. They lose to the Warriors when they're missing their three top players. Nothing the Warriors did tonight was like, oh man, the Kings should be concerned. Right? I know they have Steph Curry. Steph Curry is capable of going off at any given time. Steph Curry can carry this team to a playoff series win if he wants to. He can get anywhere he, uh, he wants to on the floor. Did a good job uh, drawing fouls, especially on the perimeter at times tonight. Clay Thompson had 29 points. Clay Thompson historically kills the Kings. He loves playing against the Sacramento Kings for some reason. There are reasons to look at this Kings or this Warriors team and absolutely be concerned. And the reality is, even with the Warriors being the sixth seed in this scenario and the Kings being the third seed, even with the Kings having home court advantage, the expectation should be and would be, yeah, the Warriors are the favorite to win that series. They have a massive uh, advantage in terms of playoff experience. They're the defending champions. Like There are plenty of reasons to talk yourself into why the Golden State Warriors would beat the Sacramento Kings. The expectation absolutely should be that the Warriors will win that series. But that doesn't mean the Sacramento Kings are going to roll over. And I've, I've seen uh, people posting about it on Twitter, talking about it on Twitter. I've had conversations with media members here at, at, at Kings games before saying, man, it's not just I don't want to play the Warriors, which I don't either. I don't want the Sacramento Kings to play the Warriors either. It's not just that. It's, man, if the Kings play the Warriors, they have no shot. And people just go, yeah, the Kings are done if they play the Warriors. I think that's, I, I think that's not correct. Like, I, th I think you're just brushing things under the rug far too easily or you're not giving the Sacramento Kings the respect that they deserve for the work that they've put in. Again, they have to prove it on the, on the playoff level, right? They have to prove it when, play, uh, when pressure is on the line. I understand that completely. The Kings haven't done that yet. But I think at this point, saying the playoffs is different is a cliche. 
yeah, we know the playoffs are different. There's more on the line. Maybe there's more physicality. Maybe there's more of a focus on defense versus playing defense 82 times a year. But the Sacramento Kings aren't going to step on this floor or step onto the floor in the Chase Center or whatever they wherever they play and just forget how to play basketball suddenly just because the stage is bigger and the pressure's on and the lights are brighter. If anything, that's where you expect the diamonds to shine. That's where you expect De'Aaron Fox to take the next step. That's where you expect DeMontis Sabonis to look even better. That's where you expect the Sacramento Kings team to show who they really are. And what they've proven this season, you can't just throw away the regular season even though it's different than the playoffs. You can't just throw away what the Sacramento Kings have been able to do. Their ability to adjust and adapt in-game. Their ability to stop extended losing streaks. Their ability to win uh, the second game of every single back-to-back against the same opponent that they had so far this season. The Kings have done a very good job proving that they're more than capable of beating anybody and hanging with anybody all season long. That's not just going to disappear in the playoffs. I'm telling you right now, the Kings play the Golden State Warriors. There's no way the Kings get swept. I feel very confident saying that. Now, the Kings might lose in five. Kings might lose in six. Kings might lose in seven. You know how I feel about relying on the Kings' success on the road to win them a series. I don't think they win on the road in Golden State. Maybe they get one win on the road. But... If they protect their home floor, and if their offense plays to the level that we've seen they're capable of playing, if they score and average 121 points per game like they've been averaging all season long, Sacramento has more than a great chance of beating the Golden State Warriors. Again, they shouldn't be the favorite. That shouldn't be the expectation. But it's also not a foregone conclusion at all that the Golden State Warriors would beat Sacramento in a best of seven. It is time for the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week Award brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. This year or this week's Player of the Week is someone who didn't play tonight. It's DeMontis Sabonis, not just uh, for tying Chris Webber earlier this week for the second most triple doubles in Sacramento Kings franchise history. And by the way, just his first full season with the Sacramento Kings. DeMontis Sabonis tonight before the game was honored with the Sacramento Kings Community Award. So congratulations to Sabonis for not only being an incredibly impactful player on the floor, but for how impactful he's been in this Kings community and how important he's been to this Kings community already in just the short time that he's been here. A big topic of conversation when the Kings acquired him was, could this be DeMontis Sabonis' forever home? Could Sacramento be a place where Sabonis could see himself and see his family for the remainder of his career, or at least beyond the final two years of his contract? I think the answer is yes at this point. In fact, DeMontis Sabonis has shared before that the answer is yes to that. So it's not just how DeMontis Sabonis plays, it's how uh, it's the type of person he is and what he brings to the Sacramento community. He's brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful with how he plays uh, in the post despite his size. All of these terms describe his game and his personality, and they also describe the Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. You can shop now at NissanUSA.com. There were a lot of Golden State Warrior fans in the Golden One Center tonight. Maybe pretty close to 50-50, to be honest with you. Maybe 55-45, 60-40 potentially. But yeah, there are a lot of Warrior fans here. It sounded like at times a Warrior home game. I also thought when the Sacramento Kings were making their runs, it was significantly louder uh, than any time the Warriors got a big three from Curry or a big three from Klay Thompson. I expect when the Warriors and Lakers come to town, I expect a lot of fans, opposing fans in these seats. And I expect if the Kings get the Warriors or the Lakers in the playoffs, that that might be the case again. Look, I will never, ever, ever besmirch or criticize any Sacramento Kings fan, season ticket holder, whatever. If you sell your tickets to a Lakers or Warriors fan or opposing fan, period, 
to any playoff game or regular season game and you make a significant profit on that game that helps you pay for your tickets or helps you take care of your family or whatever it may be. If you have the opportunity to do that, it's a smart business decision. I understand it. I don't turn my nose about it. I would hope from a Sacramento Kings perspective that when it comes to playoffs, particularly game one, of the playoffs in this building, the Sacramento Kings return to the playoffs for the first time in nearly 17 years, I would hope that you choose not to sell that ticket, that you choose to attend the game and to be a part of that celebration. But if those tickets do go on the resale market, and we've already seen a lot of them go up on the resale market for a, a significant price. Truth be told, and this might not be what some of you want to hear, it's on you to buy them. Like, some of you are going to roll your eyes at this because this is coming from someone who attends every single Kings home game for free. Although I am working. I'm not just sitting there eating popcorn, stuffing my face, and watching like a fan. I am working. It goes. There's a lot of work that goes into this. I don't expect anybody to feel sorry for me. I have one of the best jobs in the world. I absolutely love the access that I get. Uh, so this is not me complaining by any means. You'd also be surprised how many tickets that I buy, whether it's for giveaways on Locked On, for fellow fans that I want to treat, for my family or family friends or whatever it may be. Like I, I do my fair share of buying tickets, especially tickets at times to Warriors or Lakers games that are significantly more expensive than other games for the remainder of the season. It is on Sacramento Kings fans. It's on Sacramento. This is your home building. If you play the Warriors, I know they're an hour and a half up the road. I know there are a ton of Golden State Warriors fans in the Sacramento area. A lot of Bay Area migrants that came up here, or Bay Area fans, period, that don't mind making an hour-and-a-half drive. Hell, I used to make the drive all the time to go see Oakland A's baseball. Some of you are like that. A lot of you Giants fans are like that. Like, it's not that bad of a drive. It's not that big thing to ask. Like, there are going to be a lot of Bay Area Warrior fans here, Sacramento Warrior fans here. If the Kings play the Lakers, there'll be a lot of Laker fans here. We know how it is, right? It is up to you. This is your building. Represent the city. If you do not like that there are so many fans of opposing teams in your building, especially for the playoffs, do something about it. And what I mean by that is buy up those tickets or don't sell those tickets. Now, I don't expect anybody to just say, okay, fine, here's $400 cash, I'm going to go sit in a nosebleed, which I've seen tickets for all the way up there go for. I don't blame you. I wouldn't do that. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I would not pay $400 for a nosebleed seat to the playoffs. I wouldn't. And so I can't be mad at a Golden State Warrior fan who's willing to do that or LA Lakers fan who's willing to do that. I can be disappointed that Kings fans in the first place decided to sell those tickets, but I'm not going to be bothered if, I would, if I'm not willing to pay the price that it takes to get in here because it's supply and demand. Look, not just is that already going to be an extremely hot ticket for the Kings returning to the playoffs in the first playoff basketball in this city in nearly two decades. That's going to be a hot ticket because it, if in the case of the Warriors, it's the first time ever that the Kings and Warriors have met in the playoffs is the first time ever that the Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors have been in the playoffs at the same time. Or if it's the Los Angeles Lakers, for obvious reasons, the Kings and Lakers have a playoff history. Supply and demand. These the tickets are going to go for those prices because people are willing to pay them to be here. If you don't want other fans here, you pay to be here. I am totally sympathetic towards anybody's financial situation. I know there are hundreds, if not thousands, of fans listening to this podcast that go, Matt, I would be there in a heartbeat if I could afford it. I understand you completely. I do not look down on you at all. You are amazing. And, and Sacramento Kings fans who sit in the nosebleeds are oftentimes louder and better, more rowdy and more passionate the ones, than the ones who have the privilege of sitting courtside or close to courtside in the lower bowl. I see you. I understand you. I appreciate you so much. Do not think that I am 
in any way questioning your loyalty as a fan if you're not willing to buy tickets or you can't afford to buy tickets. So many of you have reached out to me saying, Matt, do you have any ticket hookups or do you know how I can get in? So many of you have reached out and said, I really can't afford to do this, but I promised myself when the Kings made the playoffs, I'm going to go, so I'm going to find out how to get here. I've, I've talked to so many Kings fans who are coming from around the country who are from Sacramento or diehard fans that are coming in saying, I cannot miss being a part of the playoffs. You guys are amazing. I do not blame any Kings fan for choosing to go and watch the game outside of the arena at the watch party that they're going to have or in a bar in Sacramento or from the comfort of your own couch. You're just as important as anybody in this building. All I'm saying is if you want Warriors, Lakers, opposing fans to not take over your arena or be have a presence in your arena, do something about it. Just like I expect if the Kings play the Warriors or the Lakers or the Clippers, there are going to be a, a decent amount of Kings fans that are traveling to any one of those arenas too trying to make some noise over there. So that's kind of my viewpoint on the entire thing. Speaking of Clippers, there is a good chance. Like, as of right now, the Clippers are in the sixth seat. And I've been very open and honest. The Clippers are the team that I want the Sacramento Kings to face out of the Warriors, Clippers, and Lakers for that sixth seed. The Clippers are the team. And it's not just because Paul George is out, although that certainly helps. The Kings have had a lot of success against the Clippers, not just this year, but in years past, too. For some reason, they always seem to match up well against that L.A. Clippers team, despite the depth that they have. The Clippers might honestly try to tank to hang on to that spot. And what I mean by that is now the Warriors have won tonight. They're in the fifth seed. The Warriors play the Portland Trail Blazers, their final game of the season on Easter Sunday. If the Warriors win that game and the Clippers use, lose one of their next two games, which is against the Blazers tomorrow and the Suns on Sunday. Now keep in mind the Suns are going to be shutting everyone down too. The Blazers have already shut everyone down. If the Clippers lose one of those games and the Warriors win the next two, then the Clippers are the sixth seed, which would be excellent for Sacramento Kings fans, right? However, the Clippers do have to be nervous that if they lose both games, there is a chance that they fall to seven. Nobody wants to be five. Nobody wants to be seven. Nobody wants to be seven because they don't want to compete in the play-in game and have to play one extra game and earn their way into the playoffs only to face the Memphis Grizzlies. And nobody wants to be five because why would you want to move up one more spot to not have home court advantage and to take on the Phoenix Suns. Look, I'm realistic. I would rather face the Sacramento Kings than the Phoenix Suns any day of the week. I expect the Phoenix Suns to be the team representing the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. That's just me. Why would it, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, any team want that five spot? They don't. So I don't know if the Golden State Warriors are going to try and lose. I don't know if the Clippers are going to try to lose. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if both teams, the Warriors and the Clippers, play at the same time on Sunday. Wouldn't be surprising if they were paying attention to what the other was doing and making a decision on whether to kind of win or throw a game based off of what happens. That's all I'm saying. Get me a Kings Clippers opening series, please. Like I said at the top of the episode, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked on Podcast Network. Now that we know, for the most part, what the playoffs are going to be and which teams are going to be in the playoffs, we may not know the seeding, but either way, the Eastern Conference is basically set. Now is the perfect time for you to start having fun and participating on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bet back, or bonus bets back, rather, if 
your first bet doesn't win. It's like an insurance policy. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. So let's say you place a bet on the Kings and Nuggets on Sunday. Let's say you lose that bet. Well, instead of you just losing your money and never playing on FanDuel again or having to reinsert cash, you get bonus bets back for you to make that money back and make money on top of that at FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Before we wrap up here, I'm going to make you a deal. The Brooklyn Nets have solidified and clinched the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. So here's my proposal. Take it or leave it. You can say or you can take the Sacramento Kings playing the Brooklyn Nets in the opening round of the playoffs with the Kings still having home court advantage, of course. You could take that or you could stick with where the Kings are at and with the unknown Clippers, Lakers, or Warriors opening round opponent. Do you take the deal and take the Brooklyn Nets in the opening round or do you say no deal and take on whichever team in the West that you can face. Some people might think this is an easy deal. I think you might want to think about it a little bit too because the Nets could present some problems for the Kings. I also think the Kings have a very good chance of winning that series as well. The reality is, with the exception of like the Boston Celtics or Milwaukee Bucks, maybe Philadelphia 76ers, I think the Sacramento Kings can hang with anybody in the league. And they might be able to hang with those three teams too. I just don't know if they'd win more than one game in those series. Maybe we'll see in the NBA Finals. Who knows? Do you take that deal? or do you not make that deal? Let me know. Kings versus Nuggets on Sunday. I fully expect the Kings to shut everybody down. I hope that they shut down all five starters. I hope they shut down most of the bench players as well and let kind of the, the, the two-way guys and the end-of-bench guys just kind of finish that out. I know that's probably what the Denver Nuggets are going to do. It doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, that is Easter Sunday. It's an afternoon game, so I have obviously family obligation and work obligations, so I don't know if I'm going to get a podcast out that day or not. However, Next week, in the build-up to Saturday's playoff opener, I'm going to be doing a ton of playoff preview podcasts, including guests who cover the team or around the team that the Sacramento Kings face in the opening round, uh, more local guests here. It's just going to be a full week of preparing for the playoffs. It's going to be so much fun. And the next time we're in this building, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have playoff basketball. How cool is that? The Kings end the regular season 23-18 and 18 at home. That record probably should have been at least three wins better with Charlotte uh, and uh, Washington and San Antonio. But regardless, it's still a winning record at home. And this building is going to be nuts on Saturday, regardless of how many opposing, opposing teams fans are here. I can't wait for that. Can't wait to have you join me for that. I appreciate all your support as always. And please join me for all the playoff buildup coming next week. Thank you so much for your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.